Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Here we go. It's hour three. Live in Los Angeles, it's the Herd. Wherever you may be, and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. J-Mac, I just noticed this. I would have been dialing in on some NBA starting tonight. Oh, wow. Phoenix Suns, four in a row. Woo! Woo! In the Valley. Starting they're, to warm up a little bit. They're hotter than Michael Penix right now, huh? Well, they're not that hot. <laughs> Great to have you and everybody. Magical night last night. Uh, Joel Klatt showing up this hour. And, uh... Chills, exhausted, so much fun. It was an unbelievable night for college football with Jim Harbaugh and uh, the Michigan Wolverines kicking off a thrilling win over Bama and now hopefully the most overblown drama in college football history can be put to rest. That the only reason Harbaugh and Michigan were winning because they were Stealing signs from some low-level, irrelevant staffer who on a shaky iPhone, doing what the rest of college football fans do, iPhone taping, and then handing it to an assistant, although Harbaugh still says, I didn't hear about it, I didn't know about it. Hopefully it puts it to rest. Because they didn't have that sign stealing against Penn State, against Ohio State, and against Alabama that we know. And they went 3-0 and and pushed all three of them around late in the game. For all the Harbaugh critics, for years and years and years, the other networks got a lot of them. Don't you feel a little silly this morning? He wins everywhere, immediately, physically, gets in your head. Small college, Pac-12, Super Bowls, Big Ten, Despite a special teams meltdown by Michigan that I'm not sure anybody predicted or I've ever seen. I mean, they were a disaster in special teams. They still beat Alabama and were clearly superior in the trenches. And that's why they're such a tough matchup for everybody. Listen, I hope Harbaugh stays in college. He's polarizing. He's dramatic. He's a disruptor. He's authentic. He's different. But most of all, He's just great. And now the Big Ten is adding Washington and Oregon, SCUCLA, and can go toe-to-toe with the SEC finally. Hell, it may be better. But Harbaugh always had a hole, and it's one that even his fans, and I'm one, had to acknowledge. Why was he so bad in bowl games? Was it his intensity? Did he wear out his team? He was, like, bad in bowl games. Not last night. And beating the king, Nick Saban, and out-coaching him puts that to rest, too. It was a bad three and a half hours for all of Harbaugh's critics. 
and it's been a bad year for them. This is a remarkable team that even with a special teams meltdown for the ages, beat the reigning dynasty. The team that beat Georgia. By the way, that final play call by Alabama, what else are they going to do? They have a high school offense. They can't really throw the ball down the field. The receivers aren't nearly as good as they were several years ago. And Michigan and Harbaugh sniffed it out. Jim Harbaugh outcoached the king. I think Michigan is the best team in college football. They're favored against Washington. It's a tough matchup for Washington because what Texas does poorly, Michigan does well. But instead of worrying about that, just for the moment, let's tip and raise a glass to Harbaugh, shall we? Even the haters. He now owns the Big Ten. He now owns Ohio State. He now owns the spotlight. And in one week, he will own college football potentially. It was a magical night for college football and an important night for Jim Harbaugh and one of the great traditions ever, the Michigan Wolverines. Here's the coach after. A lot of interest in your future. I wonder if you can tell me what the chances are that the championship game might be your last one at Michigan. <laughs> My future consists of a happy flight back to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Can't wait. There's nobody like him in college football. Don't have to like him. Absolutely have to respect him. He owns everything about the sport. The only thing missing in one week is a potential trophy. And let's talk Texas-Washington. So my favorite team as a kid growing up, go back to the early 70s, was the Washington Huskies. So I'll try to be as objective as I possibly can. But I bet them, I loved them as a kid, went to Husky Stadium again this year. And outside of the last 90 seconds, the Huskies looked like the best coached college football team in all the land. They were brilliant. In fact, Washington is doing something that is really unheard of. And I mean, you have to go back like 70 years. They were 8-0 and in one-possession games, 12 straight wins in one-possession games. Texas had more talent, more NFL bodies, more four- and five-star recruits, more size and strength. And let's be honest, the best NIL collective in college football. They buy who they want. And yet... The best coach in that game, the best quarterback in that game, the best receiving group, and the best game plan. Check, 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 Washington. Texas was chasing the Huskies for three and a half hours, and they almost caught him. <laughs> they almost caught him. But they never led, and if not for a muff punt, Washington, I thought, was on the precipice of a blowout win. What the Huskies are doing is really going against history. You don't get to this game by narrowly beating eight teams. You usually have six, seven, or eight blowout wins. You don't get to this game with the lowest number of four- and five-star recruits of the final six teams. How? Michael Penix is insane. Smoothest, calmest, purest thrower of the football in the sport. In fact, you have to go back to maybe a Joe Burrow for anything like it. Easy thrower, accurate thrower, his self-awareness in the pocket, I mean, I know this sounds hyperbolic, but it looks like an NFL veteran. It looks like Breeze or Brady. He always knows where the pass rush is coming from. He's got a lot of college starts. Let me throw a stat at you. Penix, who's mostly a pocket passer, was sacked fewer times in his college career than the hyper-athletic Caleb Williams was sacked this year. Penix is just different has an absolute understanding of what's around him, eyes in the back of his head, a sense for when danger's impending, the ability to move out of it. He's more mobile than he lets on. And years ago, before the surgeries, he was a running quarterback, too, at Indiana. You saw Kalen DeBoer allowed him to run last night, just like Ohio State did to C.J. Stroud, and Oregon did to Justin Herbert in his final game, and they're going to let Penix run against Michigan. It's their way to beat him. And those Husky receivers block, and they separate, and they just never drop passes. Texas was favored. Texas should have been favored. But this kind of feels offensively like that 2019 LSU team, a brilliant play caller, a brilliant, smooth, 
dead-eye college quarterback and just too many good receivers for a college team to cover. I'm not sure if they beat Michigan. I think Michigan matches up against Washington much better than Texas did. Clearly, however, the Huskies were better than the Longhorns for three and a half hours. Michael Penix Jr., what can you say? You watched it. You watched it all season. Probably should have won the Heisman. I just don't know how you stop this offense, and nobody stopped that LSU offense. And here's the coach after. He set the tone pretty quickly and, um, I mean, just made all the throws all really month, um, you know, was on another level uh, as far as his mission, you know, to make sure that this happened. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you saw it all week in practice. Um, There was just nothing he was going to let, you know. Where to let slide by where um, we would leave a chant, leave uh, leave a doubt uh, that you know we weren't going to find a way to win. Michigan is favored over Washington. Michigan should be favored over Washington in the history of college football. National champions look like Michigan: six, seven blowout wins, not narrowly escaping due to a brilliant quarterback and a brilliant head coach and a superior receiving core. That's not the history of the sport. I'd probably take Washington in the points. Don't know if they win. It'll be a wild game. But one more point. One of the words in my family I try to keep my kids away from is deserving. We don't deserve anything. You work for everything. Florida State thought they deserved to be in. They would have been gashed, humiliated, dominated by all these teams. College football now moves to a 12-team playoff. So now the people complaining will be two and three lost teams, not undefeated ones in an inferior conference. But what made last night special, college football got out of the deserving business, whatever the heck that means, on got into the good coach, good quarterback healthy, good roster, four best teams. Georgia maybe had the best argument, but they lost their last game. What are you going to do? Timing matters in life and in everything. But deserving gave us blowouts the last 10 years. That was magical. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This League Uncut, the new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes, and me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I thought Joel Klatt was doing one of those uh, talkback things. No, 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 no. Not after games like that. I said, I got to be in studio. I got to be with Colin. Here we go. And your beautiful family. It's the only college game you get to go to all year yeah. and just be a fan. Well, that's right. It's uh, The Rose Bowl is, and there's a picture that you're, you're seeing right now. There's, oh. there's uh, me and my bride and my three boys. It's the only game I get to go to college game and take my three sons and just watch. And that, I mean, what... What a special afternoon that was. By the way, they interviewed uh, Jack Harbaugh, his mom and dad, after the game. And they, you know where Jim and John... Oh, yeah. Jim is Jack. And Jim and Jack is... I mean, they're like identical people. It's incredible. So you watch the Michigan game, and they, listen, they held Bama to 90 yards in the first. I thought mm-hmm. offensive-defensive line play, I thought Michigan was better. Yeah. Their special teams were a disaster. And I watched yeah. Michigan seven times this year. The special teams were fine. Yeah. Um, can we just say, I said this earlier, they're 20-year-old kids, Washington special teams, Michigan special teams. Michigan was the better team and almost gave it away. Is that fair? I think that's totally fair. Um, Michigan was the better team. This yeah. is why Jim didn't have to go for two at the end of the game because he just thought, like, well, we're just going to continue to dominate at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's exactly what ended up happening. In a lot of ways, Bama was fortunate to be in the position that they were I in thought- because of the – I mean – the miscues of the special teams were egregious I've never miscues. Seen like it. it was wild to see Michigan like that. But that you know this this team has ever since I've started covering them had a chip on their shoulder, and and they would say behind closed doors, you know, we want to go out there and prove that we're more physical than than an SEC team, that we're faster, we're stronger, we're better than an SEC team, and and, and in a lot of ways they they proved that this year at least, and. I totally agree with you. Michigan was a, a completely a better team outside of Jalen Milrow making some plays and then the punt team for Alabama. That was the best unit on the field was the punt <laughs> team for Alabama flipping the field a few times. Okay, Ravens best team in the NFL. Michigan looks like the best team in college football. What's the connection I'm hearing Well, about? I mean, the connection runs so much deeper than anybody actually realizes. And it goes back to the COVID year when there was talk when Jim Harbaugh was going to be fired. Yeah. And and they wanted to, to walk away from Jim and restart and, and do something else. And and they stuck with him. He took that reduced contract. And his move, his switch, was calling his brother. And he said, hey, man, like, I have to get it right. And I have to beat Ohio State specifically. And I'll tie that in here in a little bit. And he called John. He said, I need your defense. Give me two guys. And he gave him Mike McDonald and Jesse Mentor. And he said, choose one. And he chose Mike McDonald. And Mike McDonald was the defensive coordinator at Michigan for 2021. And Jesse went to Vanderbilt in order to get coordinating experience from that tree. Okay, so Jesse goes and he's... Jim told John, like, I don't want to choose. Both of these guys are great. I could take either one. And John says, well, you got to choose one. And the other will go coordinate at, you know, at Vanderbilt. So he chooses Mike McDonald. Mike then goes back to Baltimore to be the defensive coordinator. So what does Jim do? Hey, give me the other guy. And so he brings in Jesse Minter. And now Jesse Minter and Mike McDonald are both coordinating the two best defenses in football. And they're running a very similar, if not the exact same scheme. And now what you're starting to see both in the NFL and in the college ranks is is that people are chasing down this scheme. They all want a piece of what's going on. And what's going on is they build a run front with their defensive tackles. They play hard edges on the outside with those rush ends. And then they've got hybrid players in the middle of their defense. Linebacker, nickel, and safety with good solid coverage.
cover guys on the edge. And that's what they've built, both of them. And they're eerily similar, and you've seen them dominate both levels of football in the NFL and college. And it goes back to that COVID year, Jim calling John and saying, I want your two best, brightest young guys. And he gave them Mike McDonald and Jesse Mann. I saw Texas in Tuscaloosa power through Bama. I saw Bama's O-line could not block Michigan for big chunks of the game. Do we look at Bama and say, listen, they're still a very good program, but it's different now. It's different now. They're getting pushed around this year by two teams. And by the way, Washington beat Texas. Yeah. So I, I looked at Alabama and I'm like, that's the fourth best team. If Georgia was in this thing, they're better than – I think if they played again – Yeah, they I weren't mean, that one day, but I think Georgia on the, on just, the whole of the season I was mean, better. I, I have not seen a Bama team dominated up front like Texas did late in Tuscaloosa <laughs> and like Michigan did. You know, I, I don't think it's the end of Bama. They, they recruit they'll be good. Too, they'll be good. They'll, they'll good. continue to be Very good. Very good. I think what you're seeing is not necessarily like the demise of, of a singular team as much as what you're seeing is the – What's the word? The proliferation is that the proliferation of talent throughout the country, and yeah. that's that's now transfer portal and NIL. And what you're seeing now is yeah. is that you're not seeing the loaded great teams, and you're seeing like six, seven, eight really good teams. I think it's better for the sport. I also think it's better for the sport, and I think that played out yesterday in those two games, which both were outstanding. But what you're seeing now is is you're seeing the opportunity for schools to use the development model in order to be elite teams in the sport. Michigan's not littered with five-star players no, like Georgia and Bama. They don't have a, a, a dumb. None of their receivers could start for Washington. I don't think. That, I, I mean, maybe Roman Wilson. Maybe. Maybe. And, and Colston Loveland, the tight end, he would no, be on good. the field. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an excellent player. But you bring up a, a, a strong point. I would also do this. Like, if you're looking forward, this matchup, to me, I immediately started thinking to myself. Well, this is a matchup that is right in the wheelhouse for Michigan. And, and it's like, well, why, why is that? Well, this version of Michigan goes back to the phone call to John Harbaugh. What did Jim have to do? Beat Ohio State. What was Ohio State in 2020 and 2021? C.J. Stroud, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's the exact team with a different logo that Michigan said, we have to build ourselves to beat them. The 21 Ohio State team is basically the 23 Washington team. Yeah. And so Michigan is uniquely suited to play Washington. To play Washington. Yeah. They built themselves for this style. Yeah, no, this, I said this. I thought Texas, I, I took Washington money line yesterday. My take is Texas, it was a bad matchup for them. That's right. Their that, pass defense wasn't good enough. So even if they outplayed Washington, Washington would just come down the field if you did a prevent defense late and move at will. Michigan's a different ball game. Good I secondary. Agree. So I want to go to Texas, Washington. I'm from the Northwest, bit of a homer. I would say this, though. I watched Michigan special teams implode. Alabama's offense implode. Brilliantly coached Washington special team almost give the, the game away. Mm -hmm. We bang on Sark for his in-game coaching. These are 20-year-olds. That's right. Not 29 to 34-year-old pros. I agree. These, I mean, Sark got his team there. He won in Alabama. Washington was a bad matchup for him. Okay, so I agree with a lot of that. If, if you're just running down the Texas angle, um, if, if this team was going to live by the sword and die by the sword, aggressive play calling on first down. That's what Sark is. We talked about him yeah. having time and building a matchup, building yeah. a game plan, and, and that's what he is. Think about what he did to Bama the last couple of years. What was it? Aggressiveness early. What he did to get Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. Aggressiveness early. And, and what that does, though, is it leads to a situation where if his quarterback is not playing great, yeah. it's second and ten. And now all of a sudden, their first six third downs of the game were third and ten or more. Well, that's, that's not a recipe for success. You cannot sustain that offensively. So, again, that's not a Sark problem. I think what's going to end up happening is I think that there's going to be a lot of heat on Quinn Ewers. That's what I think. And, and in particular because of those four plays to finish the game. Yeah. Now, you can, we could debate like the, the clock rules and what happened with Dylan Johnson that even allowed Texas to go down the field in the first place. That was kind of wild that with was, the injury and the timeout. That was a huge break for Texas. Huge. I mean, literally a, a game-changing break 
The thing Washington didn't want to do, the only thing that would get him in trouble is a player getting hurt and stopping the clock. Which, which, again, like, I don't know how to address it in the rules, but that needs to be addressed. <laughs> like, obviously, that's clear. But you go down, and now, like, that aside, Texas has first down 15 seconds from, what was it, the 12-yard line, 11-yard line, right around there. And, and, and they've got great wide receivers. They've got what's supposed to be a good quarterback. And that sequence at the end was awful. It was terrible. As a quarterback, you've got to know that you can't throw a swing route. He did that like a fake pitch and then throws the swing on first down. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, what was that? Then he panics on second down, throws it out of bounds. On third down, makes a quality play to save a fourth down attempt. He's getting pressure. He kind of dumps it out. And on fourth down, Colin, this is where I think Texas fans are going to be really upset, is that Adonai Mitchell was open. He's open. If Michael Penix is on the field, that ball is thrown with co- correct velocity, trajectory, and leverage, and is a completion. Yeah. And yours threw the wrong ball. Yeah. It's 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 about pitch selection, yes. not play selection. The play was correct. Mitchell's open. He's got a back shoulder pylon throw waiting for him. It's there. The defense was wrong. They were misplaying the formation. They were misplaying the leverage, and yours lofts a fade. Yeah. Basically out of bounds. Guess what? Newsflash, 100% of passes that are out of bounds are incomplete. Yeah. You've got to give yourself a chance in yeah. that one. And that's what Penix does such a good job of is his pitch selection and accuracy and leverage is uncanny. He reminds me, he does, I'm not saying he's Joe Burrow, but this, this team reminds me from play caller to weapons to quarterback, Penix and Burrow have this ability, this calmness mm-hmm. that is... Um, yeah, it's funny. Penix has been sacked in his career fewer times than Caleb Williams got sacked this year. Wow. And think, think about the hyper-athleticism of Caleb. And my takeaway is Michael's very unique. Burrow is. You look at Burrow and you're like, he's not that big, doesn't have a power arm. And you're like, yeah, I think he's better than Mahomes today. Sometimes great is hard mm-hmm. to figure out. What is Penix? Because when I watch him, he sees the field better than it feels like 90% of the NFL. So Michael Penix is an elite quarterback, elite quarterback. I think he should be drafted in the top five, Yeah, no doubt. I think the, the knee injuries will scare people off. No question. And, and, and they, he might fall, but I don't think he gets past 10. Because what you see is, is, is directly comparable to what he needs look, to do at the National Football League level. Look, look at how when the pocket collapses, absolutely calm. Total calmness. And even when he's not ready to throw, he manipulates the pocket with with ease to get himself into a position to make throws. And let me point out something uh, something else. There, There is a huge difference between guys that throw the ball well and guys that pass the football well. And Michael Penix is a passer. And the difference is, is that he understands leverage. And, and understanding leverage, you take a guy that's accurate with the football, and then when you watch all of these plays, Colin, what sticks out? The ball is always away from the defense. Yeah, it's very Brady-esque, very yes. Burrow-esque. And, and it's like an entry pass in basketball to a postman. It's always away from the defense. He's always allowing his player an opportunity to make a play. He's always putting the odds in these wide receivers receiver's favor. It's not a 50-50 ball. It's a 60-40 ball. At at worst, it's a 70-30 ball. It's a a 90-10 ball. Why? Because he understands leverage. That's passing the football. He takes it to another level, and he protects himself well with both timing and the manipulation in the pocket of being an athlete. This guy is an elite player. I think he upgrades 13 NFL teams next week. And if I was if I was drafting next spring, oh, I would I would really look at this guy, Michael Penix is. A, and by the way, this whole narrative, and you know who you are if you push this, that the the Heisman was done before the the conference championship games, and it wasn't a conversation between Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix. You should be ashamed of yourselves. I mean, it just means that you didn't watch Washington football. Thank you. Because Jaden Daniels, as incredible as his season was, did it against Grambling and Georgia State to the tune of 11 touchdowns. Yeah. So you can pad your stats in a yeah. three-loss team, or you can be undefeated and have to be have to be the catalyst for your team, which he was. Michael Penix is an excellent player, and the fact that it wasn't even a debate at the end for the Heisman Trophy just shows that people don't watch Washington football. In the Northwest, we don't pad our stats. Just not how we roll. Wow. Okay, so... 
You know, can I, uh, I'm not a, 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 you know, pet, people have asked me, you know, you go on these conventions or something, talk radio, and does anything bother you calling about the industry? And I'm like, I get paid, I'm off at noon, not much, cocktails by four. <laughs> and my life's just one. The everyman. You know, it, it, America's honesty life. broker. It's a good life. I, it's not like you're uh, slumming it either, pal. So anyway, the point is. Not saying I am. So when I It's hear, almost golf season. When I hear, <laughs> when I hear this. The NIL is ruining the sport. The Liberty Bowl is dying. I'm like, bye-bye. Everybody has a funeral. My point is, this is great. If you're giving me this year with Dion, Did you just say that? Everybody has a funeral? I'll have one. I'm about, you know, 20 years away, depending on my lifestyle. The point being is... Nothing lasts forever. Oh, except in our memories, which is a line from, uh, what is it? River runs through it. Um, you're exactly right. I love this year. A hundred percent. The best year in a the decade. The only bad part of this year is that there were not more teams playing playoff games. That we didn't get a chance to see Florida State play a playoff game yeah. or Georgia play a playoff game, right? Like, I want to see Ohio State play a playoff game and not have all the transfers and, and, and opt-outs. And by the way, kids, Ohio State's quarterback wouldn't opt out if he had a playoff game. I, I agree with that. I, I very much do. And if this year proved anything to, to us in college football, it's that... The playoff expansion is so needed. Oh, we are desperate for it because. And here's the thing: those those that are clamoring for either a non-expansion or you know railing against these new elements of college football, oh they, you know what they want. They also probably on Friday night want to be like, hey, let's get the microwavable popcorn and go rent a video from Blockbuster. Exactly. That's what they want. It's like they, you want the past. You just want the past. You want what we had when I was a kid, which was set up three TVs, the only three in the house, watch with your dad, eat some wings, and watch all the games on New Year's Day. But yeah. that's not reality. Here's the other thing that nobody wants to acknowledge is that those bowl games, I'm not going to bore you with my labyrinth of amazing sources. The point being is they don't make any money for networks half of them nobody goes to the ratings are and eh, depends on the bowl in the end this big 10 explosion washington oregon usc ucla this sec explosion texas oklahoma is driven by networks because the audience wants big brands playing each other over and over and college football's had one issue my entire life and we both agree with this the schedule yeah they're uneven the good teams fear playing other good teams are you kidding me now i'm gonna get on any saturday Penn State's in Eugene, Michigan's in Seattle, USC's at Camp Randall, Ohio State's hosting UCLA, Texas is at Georgia, Oklahoma's hosting Bama. We're going to get more big, gigantic games. Yesterday was four big brands. That's the best day of college football I can remember in my life. In a, in a long time, in a long time. I mean, to, to, to your point, the schedule, do you know next year Michigan's going to play Ohio State, Washington, and Texas? And they're who, gonna all, who, who's like who's sitting there except for maybe whoever's going to be the head coach from Michigan saying like oh I don't know about that nobody is saying that because we all want to see exactly. those types of games I th th this new era of college football I think is going to be great what we need is just some guardrails and yeah. we need some little tweaks like for instance Colin we should have the playoff start right after the regular season when college football is hot continue playing I don't know like that's a thought well hasn't December been dead. Forever. Of course. You sit around waiting for the Sun Bowl. Now December is going to be filled with number eight Florida State. I it's think we should. Number four Ohio State. I think that we should end the college football season with a national championship on January 1st. I think the national championship, if you're asking me if, I, if I'm in the room, I'm saying that that setting, Michigan and Alabama, the sun setting with the San Gabriels, the Rose Bowl, that tradition, the longest running bowl game in, in football, right? But longer than the Super Bowl, any of them. Yeah. That should be the national championship game every year. It makes the most iconic brand in college football, the Rose Bowl, the ultimate destination for every team in college football. And you end it on the first before the NFL gets to the playoffs. Then you can open up the transfer portal. Then you can have high school recruiting and you fix the calendar yeah. and scheduling and destination all in one fail swoop. You know, I said one of the things I love about college football, and I, I hear this occasionally, well, it's not as good as the NFL. All right, all right, time out. You're right. NFL's Rich Carlton, it's closer to Marriott. But 
I've been to the Marriott Sports Bar, three cocktails deep, kids at the pool. It's a good time, too. I mean, I think it's a little bit more like Hampton by Hilton, if you know what I mean. Free breakfast in the morning, coffee, waffles. So here's my point. You know how they always say this when you have kids? The years fly by, the days are long. College football's got kids. They screw up. The special teams are embarrassing. It's driving you crazy. But as a consumer, I'm exhausted watching college football because I've got kids and their careers are at stake. When I watch the NFL, LeBron James, or I watch Patrick Mahomes, I don't sweat. They're all rich. They're all great. College football's flaws? Yes, it's not. It's not the most expensive hotel on the block, but it's fun. It's, it's vulnerable. It's kids. Well, it's, it's drama. It's, it's also tribal. Remember... None of you that go to an NFL game or watch an NFL game were a part of that organization. But if you went to Michigan, you are Michigan. If you went to Alabama, you are Alabama. It's a part of you. It's like Thanksgiving dinner. It's your family. Yeah. That's and, and so the tribalism of college football is actually much greater than any pro sport. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. Like the quality of the actual sport is better, but the entertainment value and the tribalism of college football is starting to become very, very good. And by the way, it's so far and away the most popular uh, of any other sport in our country outside of the NFL. I mean, it's far and away more popular than the NBA or, or, or hockey or Major League Baseball, for that matter. It, it trumps all of those by a wide margin. Ohio State and Michigan had 19 million viewers. The next time even a World Series game gets 19 million viewers, 19, let me know. 12. That's, that's, my, that's my point, right? Be, yeah. and, and why? Because it's tribal. Well, and the other thing that was great yesterday, Washington dominates Texas, but their 20-year-olds made egregious mistakes that you don't make in the NFL. Those games would have been over in the NFL. Washington wins by 10. But in college, you keep letting teams back in. Yeah, Michigan exciting. special teams, they just kept letting Bama back in the game. So the flaws end up being just jet fuel for drama yeah those games michigan was better and washington was better for most of the game but the mistakes and what kids do made those games riveting i, I was exhausted do you know how many times you're having a great family dinner and then all of a sudden it's just like something spills because it just got a little bit crazy and, yeah. and out of hand it's like you know yeah. and it spills and it's like no oh, well you know what it's it's life having kids. I like that analogy a lot, and and the tribal nature of it I think oh, is, is important. All right, I'm done talking. Um, <laughs> Clat, you drove you had some kind of. I, I came up here just for you. It's like two percent J Mac, ninety eight percent you. Yeah, you know we're trying to reduce uh, J Mac's role. Yeah, because it's uh, the. Uh, well, does. then you know what? Act like I didn't bring him up. <laughs> All right, sorry, J Mac. Everybody has a funeral. <laughs> I'm not wrong. We'll take a break back in a second. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, glorious day. Big college football next Monday night. Michigan, Washington Wolverines favored by about four. That's what they should be. They, they match up with Washington pretty well. Here's Jay News. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. Uh, let's start with the Dolphins, who are coming off that blowout loss to the Ravens. They're, they, they're just leaking oil now. Bradley Chubb is done. Waddle's not looking good. They're underdogs at home. However, Mike McDaniel is not concerned about his team's mentality heading into the Week 18 matchup with Buffalo. I'm firmly confident that um, you guys are going to approach it the way that I would hope and that, um, you know, it's kind of become our standard, which is run from nothing, um, own it. And then, you know, if you're trying to do um, anything worthwhile, you, you have to assess, okay, well, is this hard? It is hard. Um, that probably means that this is your opportunity to um, separate yourself as a team and handle this in ways other teams wouldn't. Yeah. I just think Bradley Chubb hurt. Jalen Waddle out. That's a tough, tough game against the Buffalo team that's beat you 8 of 9. They just can't stop Josh Allen. They've just struggled. Not great. Also, life NFL is so much about timing and injuries and attrition. Remember when the Chiefs got to the Super Bowl and they lost their right tackle during the year, their left tackle. Miami's falling apart physically. I don't you can't know lose ready, your best edge rusher. You're not ready to bet Buffalo here, though. Favored on the road, are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm not ready to go that far. I think Buffalo wins, but I... What's the line? A Buffalo three. I take Buffalo. Really? I think Buffalo was looking ahead. That's why they played, they played so, like so poorly against New England. It's a situational league, and I think Miami's in a bad space. Um, all right, next up is uh, the Green Bay Packers. Listen, uh, people aren't considering this yet, but Packers could face the Cowboys. In the opening round of the playoffs, if they nuts? sneak in, uh, listen, you love Jordan Love, so uh, I we'll see. love him. No, you like a him good a seven game stretch. Now the Packers still have to beat the Bears uh, to secure a wild card spot, it, which is exactly where they were last season. Remember to face the Lions on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, uh, they missed the playoffs, and Jordan Love is very aware of that fact. The mindset is go win. Um, we know exactly what we have to do. Got to go win next week at home. Um, but yeah, I mean everyone. I think remembers last year. A lot of the guys were on the team. We know exactly how it went down um, and just how kind of sick that taste was losing that game and, you know, not making it to the playoffs. So um, I think a lot of guys in that locker room remember that. But at the same time, it's a new year. Um, so we got that mentality that we just got to go win, go handle business next week. Um, but, I mean, we've had the mentality that every game so far has been a playoff game. Listen, if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, you have got to love the fact that Jordan Love, four to five receivers, two rookie tight ends. These guys are all going to grow together for the next two to three to four years. I mean, their future. Once again, Green Bay, I don't know how good they'll be defensively. That's always the issue. But they're set up. This receiving core, they got dudes. And they're all free for the next three years. They're all kids. I mean, I really... so excited for the Packers. Well, well, I'm just saying, I didn't know if Jordan Love could play. But their skill people are fantastic. This is it's the best group, twitchiest group of young receivers in the league. 
I mean, they're all. Well, Baltimore's guys aren't all young, but I, I well, love Baltimore's group. Oh, well, Bateman and um, I like. I think uh, Aguilar, Zay Flowers, like they. they got Zay Flowers have been remarkable. So yeah. the other kid, Lively. He's been uh, the tight end. Like I think likely Isaiah Likely. likely, yeah, likely. He's, he's likely. very good. My bad. Um, final story, and then I'll hit you with a breaking news that I just saw. Uh, first of all, the Bucks find themselves in a must-win game after that choke job against the Saints last week. Yeah, um, they got to just beat Carolina. They're favored, right? They should be able to look at that. Five and a half on the road against Carolina and Bryce Young. Uh, Baker Mayfield suffered a rib injury, but Todd Bowles said that Baker will be fine. Um, boy, for all the money Baker was in line to make, Colin, all he had to do was beat the Saints last week. Well, he was terrible. First of all, the Saints have better players. I think well, I'm listen, so it was, salty. I had the Bucks in that one. So it uh, was Dennis Allen had a rare great game plan. <laughs> I mean, they did. I, I'm not a fan, but I thought they were really. I thought the Saints played one of their best games of the season. <laughs> I think Bryce Young had like 100 yards passing last week. Uh, Tampa's going to win this game. Tampa's going to win this David game. David Tepper owner situation. Um, so to, just to wrap up, the Jets just released. Literally, Dalvin Cook just was released by the Jets. Why did so they that go he get can him? Latch on with another team for the playoffs. I mean, they barely used him, so he's, he's got fresh legs. I don't know what I mean. He talk about going from really good to just what is he anymore? Dalvin Cook was really, really good last year. Yeah. Two years ago, he was an elite running back, and now it's like, is anybody going to grab him for the playoff run? I would look at the Ravens. Right? They've lost uh, Keaton Mitchell. That's interesting. And they lost, uh, which is the Ohio State guy who they lost early. Uh, Do- um, J.K. Dobbins. There you go. Yeah. So it's like Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is pretty good. I, I think they'll kick the tires on Dalvin. Uh, that's Cook. a good call on that. It is a good call. That's what I did. Yeah, it's quite the uh, Maybe, dis- disagreement from Joel Klatt. No, J Mac with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The herd lie news. We, we talked about that uh, interesting leak today by somebody in the Bears organization to Jeremy Fowler, at ESPN reputable reporter, how um, Justin Fields could fetch a second round pick. There's going to be great discussion on this. Because Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, uh, uh, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy have all looked great in the draft. And, you know, C.J. Stroud and Herbert had great bowl games. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, all these quarterbacks, these college quarterbacks outside of Caleb Williams, who's going to go number one, they've all had really good bowl games. I didn't watch Drake May's game. I don't know if he played well. But the other guys have. So uh, they're just a story being leaked and I think it's from the Chicago management side that Justin Fields will get a second-round pick, which is what I have kind of surmised over the last month. I think Atlanta works. I think Washington would consider him. I think he's worth a second-round pick. I do think, I've said before, he's a bit of a YouTube quarterback. He's great in highlights. He's great in 12-second moments. Um, he's a better version of Sam Darnold where you see bits and pieces of him and you're like, you could put together a four-minute tape and he looks like the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, yeah, Drake May opted out of the bowl. I didn't watch that bowl game, so I don't, I don't So Drake May opted out, didn't play. But J- Jaden Daniels was great. Bo Nix was great. Michael Penix was great. J.J. Uh, McCarthy was highly effective last night. So it's going to be very interesting. The pressure, all these quarterbacks, very interesting. Very interesting. You got four in the top ten, right? Bo Nix. No, if you put the mock draft up, I'll, I, I, I think I know where everybody goes. Well, actually, you don't have Nix in the top ten. Okay, but. I'll tell you right now. Bears go Caleb Williams. Right. Commanders go second-best quarterback. My guess is they'll go Jaden Daniels or Drake Ooh. May. Uh, Patriots will then go Penix or Drake, you know, somebody else. Arizona goes Harris and the receiver. Uh, I don't know what the Giants do. They could go the receiver LSU or the receiver Washington. They need a weapon. Receiver? They have a left tackle. Oh, they need to. Re- they don't have weapons. They have. They, they don't have a number one receiver. That's fair. So they'll go for the second best receiver. Chargers will go for Brock Bowers, a tight end, wait, or wait, trade wait, down. Why are we not saying the Giants would get a quarterback? Daniel Jones. I would. The Mara family. They they like Daniel Jones. I don't. Not know. what I would do. Chargers will get the tight end or move down. Titans, I think, have to consider a quarterback, but it's a defensive culture. They may go rush end. Jets will get a left tackle. Uh, Falcons will go quarterback, somebody, and uh, the Bears will probably go best defensive player on the board. Yeah, so Falcons could be looking at Justin Fields or the fourth best quarterback coming out. I think you got to go Fields if you're Atlanta. Well, I mean, Russell Wilson will be out there, too, for whoever's interested in him. I think Bo Nix is out of the first round. Out of the first round? Or, uh, excuse me, out of the top, top 10, ten, mid-first round. I think Denver Bo Nix looks very interesting. 
could run a very schemed up. Oregon had a very schemed up offense. Safe, smart quarterback. First two, you have two reads or move. Hmm. And Bo Nix, Sean Payton's going to give you one, two, maybe a third read and move. And so I think he works. He'll be cheap. That will mitigate some of Russell Wilson's massive cap hit as they move him and try to get a pick for him, a third round pick or something. How about this? Seattle misses the playoffs with a loss this weekend. Well, Justin Fields to Seattle? Does that, I mean, Seattle's got no, some guys. If, you're, they asking got me, if you're asking me on Seattle, I've said they've got so many good young players. they got two backs, three corners. Well, the, defense was, the defense was abysmal. I would I mean. move personnel and draft picks for Seattle to get one of the top four quarterbacks. Whoever it is, keep I would do it. In your, uh, hey, what about Penix? Penix, Huskies, the Seahawks. Pete Carroll knows the Pac-12. Has connections. Not crazy. No. Not crazy. See you tomorrow. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.